0: Another fantastic human is Richard Hardiman. Richard, welcome to Two Oceans Vibe. How are you doing today? I'm
1: good, thank you very much. Yeah, it was great to be in Cape Town and great to be uh, seeing a little bit of sunshine for a change. Else. Where have you been? Um, that's a great question. Uh, Europe, Europe, <laughs> Europe for the last couple of weeks, so it's been that's quite and, and, and uh, cold and pessimistically uh, depressing on that side of the world. So it's nice to see the the, sun the sunshine. The sunshine. Yeah.
0: I was just wiping the screen for you there. Now you're you all that crisp was, and clear. That was <laughs> the soft focus, so. There was there was a slight fo- soft fast surface, <laughs> soft focus um, that was coming in there. Now Richard, you and I go way yes. back. I'm I met you four. in 2012. Yeah. I didn't realise the Two Oceans vibe was only started in 2011.
1: Um yeah, we we kind of right at the beginning. Uh, end of end of two thousand ten I think we sort of everyone quit the jobs and started. Um and then yeah, twenty eleven it was kicked off, yeah.
0: That's amazing. So I actually joined you guys.
1: Like right after. Yeah. Like right after, yeah. like a I year we and a three bit. Month, three months in one studio, and then we moved across the road to a bigger studio and, and that
0: was it. And that was it, yes. Yeah. Because we were, when I joined you guys, we were in Divatakant. That's right, yes. Which I loved. I loved that beautiful. studio. It was such a, was such a nice call, studio. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Mm. And every time you brought a guest in there, they loved it, it as well. So they good. were like, so oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> this is such a different radio station. Um, and then obviously I took a break for a while mm. and now I'm back here. Where have you gone? What have you been doing since I then?
1: I left Two Oceans. Um, I can't remember when. Uh, and came up with an idea about um, how to clean plastic out of, out of water. Um, predominantly like ports and marinas and rivers and that kind of thing. And I, I, I played around a bit with um, some drone technology and, and went back and, and self-studied a little bit on, on how to make these things work. Um, then put it in a swimming pool and thought, okay, it works really well. And then uh, it got picked up by an accelerator in uh, Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And at the time i had to, it was always a kind of this whole process of getting to the bottom to get into the the top ten of this accelerator you had to go through rounds and rounds of interviews and um it, it took about a year to get in there, so i kind of I was always on the side you know i kind of um I was looking for a financier to try and try and start it here and then they phoned up one day and said no you've got you 've got through to the final twenty and I quickly nipped over there to do my final pitch and then got in and, and I came back for a week packed up and then uh and then left for three months. And, then, and we haven't actually come back since then. So, it, well, once I was there, I closed the South African business, started the, the Dutch business because it was just, it made, it made more sense financially. Is that
0: your heritage?
1: Not at all. No, no, no. No. I, I just, <laughs> no. I mean, I, if you'd asked me a million years ago, um, five, six years ago, where would you be? Holland wouldn't be the, um, wouldn't be the place, <laughs> to be honest. But it's been a fascinating journey and it's amazing as a country. It's, it's, it really is a, mm. a, a great exercise in, in how humans should work, in, in my opinion.
0: And where in Holland is that? Is that in Amsterdam?
1: It's where in Rotterdam. Rotterdam. Um, which is kind of like, um, I suppose, Holland's, Holland's Joburg. Uh, but okay. That, you know, everyone comes to Amsterdam because it's so nice and pretty. And then yes. a lot of the work actually gets so done So it's
0: Amsterdam Rotterdam. Cape Town. Yeah, very much I so. oh,
1: would
0: put it that way. Yeah, that, you know, that, that, that to me is how it and the rivalry is very similar as well. Oh, really? No, very so. That's very funny. Okay, so, but what inspired you to create this? Because it's a hell of a thing. Like, you, you were in radio. Right. Um, that was your field of expertise. You're yeah. still in radio. I mean, you haven't left radio. But, no, no, not entirely, no, entirely. But no, no, you, you, you still dabble yeah, here and yeah. there, have a show. <laughs> um, you know, But, um, but this is so out of that... Industry, I, like what got you there?
1: I, I, I always called myself like an accidental environmentalist because I didn't really know. At the time, I was trying to solve a problem mm. um, in my head. I was having a cup of coffee. I mean, it, it's such a world versed story in my head, but I will tell you. Um, I was in the waterfront watching two guys take plastic out of, out of the waterfront, um, out of one of the basins there. And they were in a, in a boat, and they had a net. And it was absolutely futile. So I can't, I can't tell you. They yeah. were just trying to get to, the, and the wind was blowing, and the tide was going out. And I just looked at this, and thought, there was such a waste of time." Yeah. You know, I appreciate the effort, but you're not getting. For anywhere. sure. And I started doodling about how I would, how I would do it if I was wanted to be more efficient and, and practical about it. How, what would I implement to get that plastic out of the water? Not realizing the plastic pollution problem at the time. I mean, this was two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. So I was, I was kind of just. Playing around, I guess. Um, And there certainly wasn't the plastic um, pollution news cycle that we have now. Um, and then I went home and I thought, well, drones would be a good idea. That's something that's coming up. And and how would I create an autonomous boat, which, which is essentially what we built now. So our vessels are kind of autonomous, and you can control them by a controller if you want to. Um, but no but one's then, actually
0: d- on so, does, so autonomous means that it operates on its own? On its own. Um, okay. So
1: we, we have two versions. We have, we have one where you have an operator, which is great for where we are in India and that kind of thing, and, and, and Africa where – You don't want people to lose their jobs, so we kind of upgrade and upskill them to become drone operators instead of a person holding a net. Uh, So there's a a really great upliftment story around that. Um, And then in Europe, America, Australia, where where they're trying to roboticise, I'm not too sure that's a word, um, everything, um, trying to create more efficiency in in, in their platforms, uh, then we we, we tend to use the the more autonomous ones. And they literally go around like Roombas, uh, like automatic uh, vacuum cleaners, and just suck up what they can out of the water.
0: That is amazing. So, what is that inspiring story? Because <laughs> that that caught my attention straight away.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the, the the story came about it is when I when I started researching how much damage is actually been done to the oceans, and I thought, well, I've come up with this concept of how I would take trash out of water. Hmm. Um, but I read a lot a lot of stuff about the the, the ocean cleanup. these these big barriers they're putting out in the middle of the, um, the, the, the ocean gyres. To, and I, I thought that was really noble and amazing from an engineering feat, but it wasn't very practical as a business. Mm. And I thought if I, I had to earn money out of it, I, I couldn't um, do it out of the graciousness of my heart as much as I wanted to. So I chose to develop our company within areas like harbours and ports and, and anywhere mm. where there's actually a ready customer, mm. um, so which, which is why we developed uh, quite a small unit, um, I've got to say, I'm trying to keep on the the inspiring story side, but it it just became a a thing of its own. I I, I literally had something that I I, I trialed in the the, the swimming pool. Yes. It worked well. I I went and found some incredible engineers in in Holland and we employed them, and they started doing it better than I could have ever hoped. Um, And and it just went from there. And, And then because of the... I think because what we were doing was quite noble, and it's, I'm not trying to blow our own trouble. No, board, but it but we, is. We, we, we developed environmental tech to 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 stop this stuff going in the water, and I think from there it caught a lot of uh, people in the news and, and media, kind of their attention, um, got us a little bit of funding, and and, and now we're now we're I, I was chatting to somebody today. I think we're in 20 or 30 different countries around the world.
0: It which is just phenomenal, mm. and you're not only um, really cleaning up. And the thing is, like. I believe that you should be acknowledged when it is something oh, like this do you know what i'm saying so it's like it's have really a humble have have a humble brag yeah. on me i'm quite happy for you to have <laughs> sure. a humble brag on me but um but i love that you said that in some places you will make them not autonomous that you will actually provide jobs yeah. for people because i think that that is a huge concern all over the world you know people are going okay so my job is going to be deemed useless in a couple of years. What am I going to do? So the fact that you're doing both, it just adds to your nobility and your noble
1: brag. (laughs) I'm adding to your noble brag. Uh, I appreciate that. And it's been a real thing for us as well. We're doing some great projects in in, uh, Nigeria at the moment and they they plan to take the shark uh, we would call them waste sharks uh, our, our, our vessels um, and each one of those that they buy from us will employ four people to clear up um, trash out of water so it 's an immediate we 're actually mm. creating a, an economy with them rather than destroying people 's jobs which Isn't I, I find that quite fantastic? sort of fantastic and a balance of power will work out i mean europe and and, and the other areas where they're using the automation side, I mean, they, they don't really employ people to do these jobs anyway, you know. So, so it kind of – no one really loses their job in that respect. And, and everyone gets uplifted, which I, I find fascinating as a social project.
0: Absolutely. And we're cleaning up our oceans. Yeah. Um, do, you, are you, do you have offhand sort of the statistics in terms of what is happening with plastic in our oceans at the moment? Because I think it is quite st- scary, and a lot of people are just – they don't, they don't even understand. Like when mm. I say, please don't use a plastic straw. Please take a wake cup. Yeah. this cup guys for you watching on instagram and on facebook live and for you listening on two oceans i carry my own thermal cup with me everywhere i go and i carry my own water bottle everywhere i go and the reason why is because i use them every single day a number of times not just once so if you're thinking you have a cup of coffee in the morning and there may be one in the afternoon but you're drinking water all day first of all by having your water bottle you're going to be consuming water, which is healthier for you mm-hmm. because it's on hand. But imagine going through three, okay, you need to drink two liters of water a day. That's four plastic bottles if that's the decision yep. you're making. And Like, just think about that. That's four plastic bottles every single day. Four times seven, seven times 4.5. Like, do, it's just, it's oh, insane. I heard, I heard
1: a, great, a, great, um, a great line the other day that, that um, water producers don't, um, don't bottle water. They produce bottles. Because water's free. They're not creating anything. They're just putting water in a bottle for you, and then you throw it away. And there are millions of bottles made every single day throughout the world. Millions of plastic bottles. And I, I, look, we're putting what um, I think the statistic is, is is 8 to 14 million tons of plastic into the ocean every single yeah. Say that again? Eight to, 8 to 14. I mean it's a very unverified kind of but, but but research kind of puts it somewhere in there. A lot of people think it's double. So I mean if if you doubled up wow. 16 to 20 million tons of plastic. Now that's by weight. And if you think about it's not by volume, wow. it's by weight. Plastic doesn't weigh very much. At so all. to get to that 16 million point you have to have a lot of plastic. And that's just what's leaking into our oceans. And I think a lot of people assume that it's coming off ships or it's, um, you know, accidentally sort of passed overboard. It's not. It's coming from our rivers. It's coming from the harvests. Every our beaches the, 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 as well. Yeah. Blows, beaches as well. Every time the, the wind blows in, in Cape Town, a perfect example, it all goes down into the harbour. Mm. and then from there it goes into into our sea and then from there it goes into and, and we have five major gyres in in, in, in the in our oceans and gyres are like um, when you watch the water go down the, the, the plug hole in your sink it's just a spiral of water and that's what keeps t- turning everything but the fact that um, eventually all your plastic will end up and it will just go round and round and round form these massive plastic islands in the middle of nowhere so we don't see it all the time but it's no. coming back to us slowly and, and I think that's part of what we're trying to do is prevent more plastic going out and we're only part of so many different solutions out there that are really trying to just stop it getting worse because if it grows any worse, I mean, we're, we're in very real danger of, of suffering from our own success.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, if you guys just Google plastic islands in the ocean, you will see it is devastating. It's terrifying. It's, it's literally devastating. Now, your waste sharks they're here in Cape Town as well?
1: We have one here in Cape Town. Um, it's operating, or will be operating. We're just refurbishing it in um, in Bay, funnily enough. Okay, uh, but not
0: in the waterfront?
1: Not. We, we did in the waterfront for a little while. Um, yeah. We did a little test. But it was a very, um, I mean, to be fair to us and them, it was a very prototype at, uh, one at, at, the, the, time. Sta- at the time. And we haven't updated um, since then. We are in Durban Harbor now. Um, we're just, okay. um, so they're, they're buying quite a few, which is quite exciting for us as well.
0: Who would buy them for Cape Town. Is it the government? Is it? it would
1: normally be the the, the Ports Authority down here. So we, we deal mainly with government entities and, and, and sort of civic entities that want to clean up waterways. Okay. Um, so am
0: I causing havoc by going Cape Town government? What the what? Why don't we no, have more say, of no, no, these I, I, I'm, I'm, in the water? I, I, like we need agree. them. Yeah, we
1: need them. We really do. And and and, and I think more so in, in areas like um, I mean, the waterfront is a, is a great a, a great example. But you know, people because uh, you
0: must get a. a immense amount of stuff blowing uh, into the they, waterfront.
1: Absolutely, and they do do a lot of work to try and get it out and mitigate it. But what we've tried to do is, is create a tool that is is there so that you vacuum your floor most days or whenever to get rid of dust you can't see, but you know the dust is probably there, so you go and do it. Um, we tend to, and it's not just us, it's, it's around the world, we tend to wait until the waste builds up in the water, and then we go and, then we go and mm. take it out. So we kind of wait until it becomes a problem, then we attack it. With us, we're trying to create a a proactive or have created a proactive tool that goes in and just does it regardless because it's cheap, more effective, and just simpler to use in order to get rid of that waste.
0: Cape Town government, wake up. Mr. Alan Windy, I will be phoning your office this week <laughs> to have a little chat about waste shock. Um, what are some of the typical things that are mostly found in waste shark? And the reason why I'm asking this is because I think if people are conscious about the average thing that mm. is mostly found, maybe they will become more conscious about using that and purchasing it. Such
1: a, such a great point. Um, so plastic bags is always the number one. Um, that you you would get from your pick-and-pays or your checkers or, you know, your your comparable things around the world. Um, Plastic bottles is always, obviously, uh, probably number two. And balloons, oddly enough, are one of the most consistent things that we find I out know. there. And it's most, and, and, and the problem, the it problem it like makes
0: me kind of sad everyone though.
1: Everyone <laughs> so difficult. I, mean, I, I do too. I, I think there's nothing prettier than, than you know, a, a bunch of balloons. It, it really is fantastic. Do
0: you, I mean, do you know, as an environmentalist, like somebody who cares, I mean, yeah. I'm not the biggest environmentalist, but I do, I really care and I do my best yes. with them, thing. think. Do you know, when I heard that, like my little, the little girl in me, the three-year-old in me, like just crumbled Absolutely. because, do you know what I do for my friend's still now every year on their birthdays I give them a cupcake with a balloon oh. with with a candle and a bunch of balloons because that is like happy birthday so th- and now I'm like what the hell and I, I give them a cupcake with a little candle Just and I'm like same.
1: I go back to this point that that <laughs> plastic is not a bad thing we would be we wouldn't be where yeah we, we need are in it the world. we need plastic yeah. it's how we dispose of everything it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's balloons are fantastic Um, but you know if we release you know sometimes the fundraisers and they release 100,000 balloons into the atmosphere brilliant but those balloons will end up and and they will generally land up in the ocean Hmm. because they will go high enough and they will come down in low pressure areas and land up in the ocean a a balloon to your friend should be fine as long as it's disposed properly okay it'll still probably end up rotting away in the the landfill but it (gasps) it won't be killing turtles are they
0: recyclable
1: balloons? I'm not entirely sure um Hmm,
0: listeners, help me out here. Are there any, is there such a thing as recyclable balloons? Because my birthday celebrations have literally gotten depressing. And so I need to find a replacement for balloons, um... I know that I've once or twice I've gotten those refillable balloons, you know, those ones that you can fill up a few times. And so they put helium in them and then as they, you know, you can fill them up again. I mean, my dad gave me one actually, I think seven years ago for Valentine's Day. You know, one of those corny little like hearts that says, I love you. So cute it's still freaking alive, guys. This balloon is still going. So maybe that's the solution. But die. Yes. Um, you know, in our family, we recycle things a lot. So my sister for my birthday gave me a badge that said Birthday Girl, and it was her birthday yesterday, and I gave her that same badge again, and she's going to give it to my mom because my mom's the next girl in our family, Great. and then she'll oh, give okay. it to my other sister, and that's what we do. I don't know what you guys do, <laughs> but I think that we do need to think of those kind of little solutions. So... Um, Cigarette butts, was that at all in do, there? Because the, I know the, when the, I do beach cleanup, hmm. cigarette butts are one of the big things. Cigarette butts and. Um Lollipop sticks, yeah, you, sticks know well,
1: little, yeah. Yeah. you know, those little, you know, that and um, earbuds, um, Earbud- enough, um, those pop up quite a lot as well. Earbuds. yeah, the the the, um, the stick, yes, the, the little stick plastic. Itself, yeah. So, I mean, the the, the the cotton's kind of like, um, if it still is cotton, I'm not entirely sure it is, but um, but the little blue part um pops up a lot, mm. and uh, and then basic things like chip packets, and you know, just mm. kind of things that people, depending on where you are, um. And depending on how educated the people are at the time, and I don't mean educated from from an educated, point, aware of what they're doing, but ship I mean hackers are so easy just to, yes. you know, put in an overloaded bin. They blow out. They fall into the water. They go yeah. into the sewage system. They get pumped out into the sea. It's 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 so quick and easy that we don't mm. think about it. You know, it, it's um, I can't. Think, we we catch a lot of footballs, funnily enough, as well. But I don't think that's too damaging. Footballs. To the yeah, I think kids losing uh, huh. footballs in the water or at the beach and.
0: That is a strange one. I I was not expecting that one at all.
1: (laughs) At our our offices in Rotterdam.
0: So this has obviously taken you on an incredible journey, and I know that you did a TED Talks, and you know you've been travelling the world. You must have been meeting extraordinary people. What are some of the highlights or some of your favourite moments that um, that you really take away from? having created this product that really is making a profound difference.
1: I I think one one of them, in fact, I was chatting to um, my partner in in India this morning, um, and he was reminding me, I was in India in January this year, which is somewhere that I've never actually wanted to go. It's one of those kind of (laughs) like, um, I don't feel like going to India because I I know that I'm quite a quiet person. I don't like the the noise and the the, the pressure and the heat. And um, we teamed up with a fantastic partner out there who's doing a lot of our tech now. And he said, come to this place called Kum. For a week, we're going to go onto the Ganges and we're going to use the way sharks there to, to clean up the Ganges. And I thought, well, that's an incredible story, you know, to go and, to go and start helping cleaning up the Ganges. Yes. Know, it's quite a quite a, a noble and cool thing to do with, with technology. And he didn't. What he didn't tell me was that Kum was like this um, massive celebration. Um, and it's fifteen million people all sure. camping, it's on two sides of the Ganges for about ten kilometres on each side. So and nice and, and, and quiet, so exactly what quiet, you were looking for. Yeah. None of the <laughs> sort of seeking quietness of, of India it was noisy. It was dusty. It was loud and uh, oppressively. Just uh, every sense got hit really hard. It, it, yeah. it is
0: a, a sensory overload. It, it really if you, is. if it you've really never is. been to India, it's literally if you're going to be overloaded, if your senses are going to be overloaded, that is the place. And it can be beautiful. But if you if you do the sensory intelligence um, quiz, I don't know if you've done I it before, done it. but I'm sure you are a root. Um, Because I'm a root. I can't hear, like, two noises at the same time, like, disturb me, you know. So, roots like quiet. Mm. They don't like too much stimulation. Leaves, like Mm. my dad, love it. So, he'll have his phone on the YouTube on his laptop and the TV in the background. I'm wanting to climb the walls. (laughs) Um, But... So that aspect of India is, because that is like that, but it's also so beautiful. It it, it, is, a stunning and
1: beautiful country. And to be, I was actually looking at it, he reminded me of a video that we did alongside the Ganges where he was asking me questions. And we were literally walking there, and and the way Shark is doing its thing, cleaning up there, the waste in you know it, it's quite I, I think that that to me was was a highlight you know although it was a place i didn't want to go i didn 't want to experience, but I got there and I thought wow we 're making a difference and that and that's that's kind of cool but yeah. i 've been incredibly lucky with this job that I have now is to fly all over the world and meet different people who are doing similar if not even better things you know in in, in different areas and i I mean, this, this year alone, I'm get a humble brag, but I mean, it's, just, it's just work. But I mean, I've done South Korea, India. Um, I'm off to Finland next week um, to go and talk there. It, it's just really engaging to see how many people are doing so many great things around mm. the world, around us.
0: You know, like when, you, when you're speaking now, so many people, you know, when we had the drought, happening in in cape town and everybody was freaking out and i remember my sister getting irritated with me she was like why are you not freaking out like what is going on this is a serious problem and i said because i am being water conscious Mm. i'm doing whatever i can but there's no point in freaking out because we're humans and she was like what do you mean what do you what do you you mean we humans and i said well we'll figure it out Mm. like Until the rains come, which they inevitably will come, because the universe, the Earth, like Mother Nature, she operates in cycles, you know? And so inevitably it will come. And until it does, we will figure it out. Mm. We're humans. We make a plan. We make a difference. And so I love hearing stories like this where you are traveling the world, and it just highlights how many good people
1: are are doing good
0: work on our planet.
1: I met a guy from California, um, Late last year who's moved his operations down to Argentina and they're they're collecting fishing nets um, these illegal gill nets and they're recycling those into clothes and into you know so taking something incredibly bad and really disastrous to, to the environment and making it really cool and very yeah. and he's a surfer guy from California and kind of just came Amazing. up with this idea and went and did it and you know and there are there are so many stories about people doing that around the world and doing it passionately as well mm. so it's not just a oh now I have to yes. there are people literally living their lives doing this which I, I find fascinating. I mean, we're doing it on a, um, I like to always call ourselves we're a tech company, and we are we're, we're sadly are for profit, but that's just to make things get bigger and faster. Um, but there are people who are giving up their entire lives and way mm. of life to go and, and protect our planet. And I think that, that's, that's incredible. Uh, that to me it is really is. kind of heartwarming that there are a lot of people out there doing that for us. A
0: hundred percent. So do you believe... In the human spirit, I, I really, <laughs> being able to overcome anything. I, I do. How do you I, I, feel I think, about it?
1: I think we're incredibly resilient. Um, I worry. I mean, I, I do. I mean, like, what happens if there's too many icebergs in Cape Town and, and we don't, you know, like there's a complete mm-hmm. freeze over or a meteor hits us? I mean, but those who, who survive and will, will survive, we will find mm-hmm. a way to survive as long as possible. And I think that's, that's our, uh, the resilience in, in humans is we don't yes. give up. We're not going to just. Die, mm. um, even if we're facing the biggest odds. So uh, I, I think, you know, there will be people who will live through whatever comes up mm. and we'll find a way through these things.
0: There's a beautiful book called Conversations with God. Have you read it? No, I haven't. So in Conversations with God, there's, um, there's a passage that I'll never forget reading because it talks about the fact that, so it's this guy who, who basically has this conversation with God and, um, and he writes down everything that kind of comes to him. But there's one passage that just really, I mean, so much was brilliant in that book, but he said, human beings will never know what they can do without being without facing challenges and we are here to experience ourselves to experience what we can do Mm. the extent of ourselves the breadth and width of ourselves and so a doctor would not know healing without disease right you know and so that i think that's one of the challenges in life is that we need to see when a challenge is presented to us that it is actually almost a gift Mm -hmm. that allows us to see what we are capable of. Mm. And when we rise to that challenge, it does become an incredible gift, you know, and it allows us to see what we can actually do. Does the impossible is, is
1: possible. And, and, and I was having a conversation with someone this morning, and they were saying that, that isn't it odd how all these things that we fear and we worry about and we lose sleep over that never actually always come to, to to realization in the form that we thought it would do? You worry about, I owe this, or we've got to sort that out, or, you know, and, and that fear never is as bad as we imagine it to be, mm. the, the actual result. It's the things that side. Blindsight side is such an arbitrary day where we, which we weren't expecting, normally force us to step up to challenge.
0: So you thinking of wear sunscreen?
1: It's my favourite. I live by <laughs> there's, there's, there's another. It's so that's so funny because there's another line in there that says some of the most interesting people I know are 40 years old and they still don't know what don't they want to do. Don't know what they're doing. And that's and that's. I, I live up to that every day. <laughs>
0: Uh, I think that a lot of us do, Rich. Mm. Like we, we are the type of people that reinvent ourselves Absolutely, over and over again. Yeah. And I mean, there are some consistencies that follow us, but we do—we continuously reinvent ourselves. I used to think and
1: it was a bad thing, but actually, I think it's—it's it's quite fun now. It's—it's a,
0: it's a fantastic thing, yeah. and I actually I highly recommend it to <laughs> to Absolutely. everybody yeah. that's yeah. listening. I think you should all don't get stuck in who everybody thinks you are and who you think you are. Decide who you want to be and just go for it, you know, just keep evolving. Yes, Admit, I see you listening and Dominique, I see you listening so true, so true. Yes, ah, oh, that's cool. I'm reading some of the, I'm not just making weird noises in the studio, I'm I'm actually listening to (laughs) I'm listening to the listeners actually um, make comments. Guys, it is coming to the end of our show, so I'm just going to ask Richard, is there something that people can do to support your cause how do they get hold of you do can people like if there is a rich wonderful human who goes i want to buy one of these little waste sharks and i'm going to donate it to this place is that pos- is, has Absolutely.
1: that been done? Uh, it, it hasn't been done yet. What we're starting to do now is create. Um, there's certain areas like like take a, a little bay, a fishing village, or that kind of thing where people do live and want to raise money. Um, we want to put together like like a sort of crowdfunding to 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 arrange those things. And there's always NGOs that are willing to participate in that. Um, and we're, I'm quite excited about that because I, I think it, it drives the community to do something and, and shares the responsibility, which which is quite cool. Um, our website is just randmarine.io. Um, all the information is there. We're on Facebook. We're on. It, uh, and, um, and we're just yeah doing as much as we can, and uh, I think it's a great idea that the people club together or or find a wealthy benefactor and, and, and kind of get involved that way.
0: I think that it really, really is. So it's Ran Marine, R A N Marine, M A R I N E Technology. You guys can Google that, but I will take a photograph of me and Richard, and I will post it, and I will tag him so that you guys can actually just click through. Um, onto his Instagram page. And on Facebook, I, s- I will post the information. I haven't posted what we are doing live at the moment, um, but I will post Richard's information there so that you guys can also get involved that way. And remember, it's for the waste shark. And it is, I love the way you, you describe this, a plastic and pollution gobbling autonomous water drone that is being deployed around the world to help fight plastic pollution in our waters. Absolutely brilliant description of that. Um, guys, it is the end of our show. I've had fantastic guests today. Thank you, Norma Simon. As always, you just astound me with um, the accuracy of your readings and um, and just your open heart and your generosity in coming here and being here for our listeners mm-hmm. and just giving them free um, readings and answering their questions. I know it means so much to them. So thank you so much Norma for coming in again. Um, the lovely Kim from Kitchen Collective. How was that hummus, oh, really, really by the
1: good. way? Uh, I was um, I was quite impressed. <laughs> I might just tuck into more.
0: Y- you absolutely oh. should tuck into more. Um, she brought in that wonderful roasted red pepper hummus from the book Around the Table. Denise wrote that book. And, um, and Dominique, again, congratulations on winning that prize. Dom, I don't know if you are in Cape Town, but if you are in Cape Town, I will meet you. I know you've been following me for a long time, and you've been very supportive so i hope that you are in cape town because then i'll finally get to meet you tomorrow afternoon evening at denise's book launch please do send me all of your contact details and congratulations on winning that amazing competition um and richard thank you so much for being here it was really great